Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, guys, and welcome to another edition of the Bombastic Podcast, hosted by Andrew Ellis and presented by Natty State Sports. Uh, it is Thursday, February 29th. We got a leap day. Um, but we also got a fun series back at Bomb Walker Stadium to talk about this weekend. Uh, a game on Tuesday to recap a little bit, some lineup discussion, just overall vibe checks. Um, I appreciate you joining us, appreciate you tuning in, and... Uh, Guys, we got to, we got, you know, I always say we have a lot to talk about because we always have a lot to talk about. There's always a lot to discuss with this Arkansas baseball team. Um, and I look forward to doing that with you here. Before we talk about, you know, the game that happened yesterday or Tuesday in the weekend ahead, I do want to give you guys some programming reminders, as always. If you've not already subscribed to this YouTube channel, what are you doing? Uh, it's the Bombastic Podcast on YouTube. Last time I said I was going to link it in the description, and I forgot, and I'm remembering that right now that I just didn't do it. Um, but if you want to simply listen to the show on your podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever it is, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, but I understand that some people like that visual component. They love seeing my beautiful face. You can't see, if you're if you're listening, you're not seeing that I have a beautiful stash right now. I had to switch up the vibes. So Tuesday morning, I uh, I went ahead and I was like, you know what, uh, Hillary loves the stash anyway. So I was like, you know what. When she gets back from uh, her work trip, she'll see I have a stash and she'll be happy. And, uh, you know, it brought the hogs some runs, so you're welcome for that. Um, but, yes, like I said, go subscribe to that podcast channel, which is dedicated just for this. It's the only thing on this podcast channel, The Bombastic Podcast, is The Bombastic Podcast. Um, so if you don't like sifting through stuff, you want the simplicity of just knowing what to get and where to, where to get it from, Go check that out. Um, but if you are looking to listen to our wildly successful basketball show, The Pot of the Palace, you can find that over at our Natty State Sports channel, our main one, which has plenty of content for you. Uh, you can see my face, Curtis' face, Scotty' face, John. Uh, John shows live there every day, 4 to 6. He's crushing it there. Had Tyler Spoon, former hog, on yesterday. Has him on every Wednesday. So a lot of fun stuff we got going on. Uh, Curtis and I are about to record an episode of the Natty State Six Pack uh, if you're listening to this, you probably missed it because it was a live show. But go back and check it out because it's really good. Um, I, I say that even though we have not recorded it yet. No promises, but <laughs> I'm going to assume it's really good. And uh, if you're really looking forward to our exciting football show, not just the Boss Hogs podcast, just to be clear. I wanted to clarify. The Boss Hogs podcast with the offensive line, which is going to come out, I believe, in early March. They're going to start doing it during spring uh, with Josh Braun and Patrick Kudis and the boys. Uh, Fernando Carmona is an offensive lineman you guys are going to love. That guy's fun. Uh, Addison Nichols, another one. Like they, they, they've got a ton of dudes coming in here. Um, it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun show. That will be coming soon. But also, 
at Natty State Sports, we are planning to have our own football show where we just talk about the football team and hopefully the offensive line doesn't, uh, you know, do, does well so we don't have to say anything bad about them because they do come in this very office and uh, can hurt all of us very easily. Um, so hopefully it doesn't work out that way. But uh, we're looking forward to that. We got a lot of stuff cooking up. But if you want to go check all that out, go subscribe to the main Natty State Sports YouTube channel. If you just want this show, you only like seeing my face. Go subscribe to our new YouTube channel, The Bombastic Podcast on YouTube. Might take you a few searches, but if you're watching this on YouTube, then just go ahead and subscribe to the channel you're talking about now. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about Grambling. On Tuesday, Arkansas gets back on track with a 21-1 to win over Grambling in a midweek matchup. This is their first midweek game of the year on Tuesday. Um, you know, a lot of people probably saw that and were just like, hey, Arkansas crushed a bad school and, you know, it, it is what it is. If you remember, last year when Arkansas got back from Arlington, they played Grambling and it was a dogfight. They ended up having to come from behind, win 9-7. to seven. Uh, They scored runs on Zach Morris, Will McIntyre, uh, TCU Sunday starter Zach Morris. Um, but, yeah, so if you remember, it's like Arkansas struggled in a lot of these midweek games. Now, I don't want you to put a ton of stock in it and be like, hey, Arkansas won 21-1 to against Grambling. That must mean they're good now and the offense is going to be perfect. Um, maybe not, but was good to see those guys get it going a little bit. Arkansas finished with 20 hits the first time since 2018 against Dayton, which if I remember, if my memory serves me correct, Cole Ramage had a hit in that game as a true freshman. I don't remember why he went up to the plate, but I remember a weird thing happening where Cole Ramage, you know, went up to the plate and got a base hit. He had one of those 20 hits. So Arkansas, you know, made some history on Tuesday, you know, and when you're when you're struggling the way they had, I mean, they only had 19 hits in three games in Arlington. So it was pretty cool to see them have 20 in one game. Saw the power uh, start to come through. Jason Jones had a couple home runs. We'll get into a little bit of that later, but I thought it was interesting that DVH said after the game, he said, we would have won no matter who we played today. He really liked just the energy of the team, how focused they were. And he kind of told him, he was like, hey, this is a veteran team. You know, this is a team that gave us trouble last year. Veteran team. Like, you know, they, they, they the, the, that Grambling team is going to score a lot of runs this year. Uh, now, they will not prevent teams from scoring a lot of runs because their pitching staff is a rough one. Uh, they had a dude up there throwing 58 mile an hour curveballs, uh, which which allowed Vahiva Aloy to get a base hit, which was nice. Uh, Jason Jones hit what I think was that kid's fastball at like 69 miles an hour. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think that they were kind of, you know, it wasn't a huge game for Arkansas. It's a midweek game. It's a Tuesday. Um, and we've seen Arkansas kind of sleepwalk through those type of games before, but I thought it was cool to see them come out and really take it personally and, you know, not mess around at all. They scored seven runs in the first inning. Uh, they, they led the entire game. The pitching staff also continued to fill it up. You get Colin Fisher, the reigning SEC pitcher of the week, got, got the start, only went one inning. Uh, Arkansas used six pitchers in seven innings. The only guy that went more than one was Parker Coyle, who was sick during Arlington. He, I believe he got sent home during Arlington. He was up in the bullpen Friday and looked like he might have a chance to get in the game. Uh, ended up not pitching throughout the weekend, which you know I didn't really think too much of. Turns out he was a little bit sick. Uh, ben Bybee also has mono. Did not pitch in this game. Is not going to pitch for at least another week. Uh, he, was, he was really bummed out when I talked to him. I guess it was sometime last week in Arlington, but yeah, so Arkansas had six different pitchers throw. You had Cooper, uh, Cooper Dossett made his season debut. The Springdale boy comes in and strikes out the side and is like 95-96 every pitch. He was getting swings and misses with his slider. His stuff looked awesome, man. It's just another one of those where you see a dude go out there and look awesome, and you're like, oh, man, how does this guy – how is this guy not pitching every weekend or getting – you know, is this guy our closer? Just kind of tells you a lot about how talented this Arkansas pitching staff is and just this team in general where – 
a guy like Cooper Dawson is struggling to get midweek work. Um, but I thought that was a really big time performance from him, which kind of, you know, nice little statement for him to say, hey, I'm ready to contribute. I'm ready to do what I got to do. I remember going into last year, I was all in on Cooper Dawson. So we didn't get to see him pitch in the fall because he was banged up. And I believe he had a couple different injuries in high school that kind of held him back a little bit. But he finally gets to pitch a few weeks before the season, and he was great. Leading up to the year last year, I really thought, I was like, man, if there's a freshman that could end up being like a real, you know, late-inning reliever type of guy, I thought it was Cooper Dossett. Um, I thought that he was going to be what Gage Wood ended up being. Um, didn't exactly work out. Uh, only pitched a couple innings. Didn't go as great as I was hoping. And uh, just kind of got lost in the shuffle there, and I think he might have actually been banged up a little bit at some point too. So he had a productive summer, though, went out in the Northwoods League, was teammates with Christian Fouch, who also pitched in this game, went a scoreless inning, got a strikeout. Um, that was good to see. Was teammates with Jason Jones, was teammates with, I believe there was someone else. I don't know why I'm blanking on who it was. There was another pitcher that pitched with the Green Bay Rockers. I used to watch a lot of those games. Uh, but it was just really encouraging to see Cooper Dossett come out there. And like I said, Christian Fouch comes out there, tosses a scoreless inning. Gage Wood, who I also referenced, comes out, strikes out two in a scoreless inning. Uh, and Parker Coyle threw two innings and only had the one strikeout. But he, he did Parker Coyle stuff. He threw 23 pitches, 16 for strike. Uh, you know, in that high 80s, low 90s range, just fills up the zone as a left-hander. Uh, I think he's got a chance to really help Arkansas on the weekends, you know, moving forward, especially against the lefties. So I thought all, all of those outings, again, you're facing Grambling, who can swing it a little bit, has a ton of veterans in their lineup, is a way better lineup than Arkansas made them look. Uh, I thought it was really encouraging to see some of those arms get back on track and, you know, have some success out there. And now you can, now if you have to pitch these guys this weekend, you're feeling a little bit better about it. And DVH actually said that with Dossett. He said there was a situation where they got him up in the in the bullpen in Arlington and ended up going with Gabe Gackle because Gabe had already pitched. He pitched, you know, the week before and had a couple innings and had gotten out there and gotten loose. And they didn't want Cooper's first inning of the year to be in a situation like that. So it was really good that he was able to get that in a Tuesday game against Grambling and strike out the side, have some success. Uh, so that was really good to see. I was really encouraged by that. And Cooper Dossett is an arm like I've been keeping my eye on, hoping for something like this to happen. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a nod this weekend or any of those guys, Fouch, Coyle, and, I mean, we'll see Wood. Um, Arkansas, through six innings, only gave up one one hit, not a run. And then Tate McGuire, the freshman, comes in, makes his second day or second appearance of the year, gives up a run on three hits, which, you know, is what it is. But so the 21-1 to one score, it's a little deceiving. Arkansas, really, when they had their guys in their pitch and they really didn't give up anything. Uh, literally as good as... Arkansas could have played through six innings, honestly, and obviously it was only seven because of a run rule. Uh, another interesting thing I thought about from this, I mentioned Jason Jones had the two home runs. It was a big day for the left field battle. You know, that's kind of one of the biggest question marks on this team remaining is, hey, who's going to win that left field job? Is there anyone that's going to emerge? And, you know, through a couple weeks, neither guy had really stood out. I mean, Will Edmondson got got the, the start in the leadoff spot on Sunday, reached base a couple times, looked okay. Um, but, you know, going into the other day, hadn't really hit a ton. Uh, Jason Jones has had moments here and there, but still was was not hitting at a high level yet. Hadn't really been consistent to the point that we were hoping. And uh, Ross Lovich also got a spot start there. I think he started one game opening weekend and then got a start in right field on Sunday in Arlington. Uh, not all three of those guys, like, you can make a case for all of them. I mean, Lovich has a ton of experience in the SEC. Clearly he can start. Jason Jones might be as talented as anyone in this lineup. And so... A lot of people kind of expected him to be the guy who would take that step forward and take the job and take the reins there. And then Will Edmondson, of course, is just the Juco kid that just keeps un uh, over, not underachieving, overachieving everywhere he goes. 
he's been pretty much undeniable this offseason, and so he's firmly in this mix. You can kind of make your case for all three of the guys, but it's like the like people always say with quarterbacks, you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Uh, I expect for the next few weeks that position is going to be you know, changing a good bit. I think you're still going to see all three of those guys get starts there, especially Jones and Edmondson. I think that's kind of, it's, it's not a two-man race. It's a three-man race, but I think that it's going to end up coming down to one of those two dudes. But I think Lovich has a left-handed bat with a ton of experience. There's always going to be room for him to get in there, whether it's left, right field, DH, whatever. Um, but all three of those dudes against Grambling – Showed up and showed out. I mean, Jason Jones hits two home, hits 825 feet worth of home runs, drives in six runs. That's obviously the case for him. You know, that's what we want to see from Jay. If Jason Jones is going to make his spot in this lineup, it's going to be because of that power potential. It's going to be because of the force he brings with that bat and the tools he has at the plate. Will Edmondson reached base four times, had a couple hits, barreled up some balls, and actually grounded into a double play that DVH referenced after the game where he's like, he even barreled that ball up. I mean, he was seeing it well, drew a couple walks, which. Edmondson typically, historically, is not the most patient guy at the plate, which is part of what makes him dangerous. I mean, I've seen him hit against just about every Arkansas pitcher this offseason, including Hagen Smith, um, but he's not. he doesn't take a ton of walks. So I feel like if he's going to make his way in the lineup, taking those walks, getting on base at a high level, that's going to be what gets him in the lineup. And then he's a really good athlete out in the outfield. I feel like he's he's more than more than qualified as a defensive left fielder. He might be the best uh, defender they have in, in the outfield or in the in this competition. So I think that's kind of, you kind of see the vision of why you you might want him in the lineup, and then freaking Ross Lovich comes off the bench for Kendall Diggs and has three hits, just smashes baseballs up the middle. So you're just like, man. Uh, I asked DVH about it. He kind of laughed. He's like, hey, I hope they keep doing that. Make it as hard as me on possible to make this decision. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. And later in the show, we're going to talk about you know pretty much every position in the lineup and kind of go through it and uh, you know discuss. But I thought that was interesting that the left field battle. On Grambling, if you you know if you had no context, you would think that all three of those guys. You're like, oh man, we're not worried about any of them. They could all start. Uh, it just kind of is what it is. Jared Spragelot had a couple hits. He continues to lead the team in hitting at 458. Been kind of an unreal story. And then Peyton Holt also had three hits. Got back on track a little bit. Got on base a ton. Uh, they moved Peyton Holt down to the nine hole, which I thought like as soon as I saw it, I was like, that feels right. And I believe he hit ninth a couple times last year, and he brought a huge spark there. And so it's like. I think if you were trying to come up, if you you were in a lab and you were able to make up someone who was a good nine hole, I think Peyton Holt might be it. Now you could make the argument you'd rather have him hit in sixth or second or even leadoff or whatever. But I think when you look at this lineup, seeing Peyton Holt in the nine hole just kind of feels right. Where you're like, that kind of, you know, that's the type of nine hole that like works a leadoff, walk, steals a base, jobs, you know, kind of the perfect table setter for that top of the lineup. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting. Good to see both those guys continue to play well. And we'll touch a little bit later on what that means. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the biggest takeaway I had from the Grambling game was, hey, good to see the pitchers continue to ball out. Good to see the bats get on, get back on track. But hey, it's all eyes on these position battles for the weekend. And and so let's just, uh, you know, let's just jump. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jump right into it. So I wrote a story yesterday. I dipped the, uh, the quill in ink. 
I, I used to I used to write full time. Don't write as much, but I do. You know about this baseball team. I feel like sometimes it's just it's just necessary. You just you want to get it out there in writing. You want to write it down. And uh, so if you have not seen that, go check that out at nattystatesports.com. We've got a good bit of written content starting to come out. I mean, Curtis and Scotty are much more accomplished in the writing realm than I am, and they do a great job covering the basketball team, not only with their pot at the palace, which they're cranking out three times a week. Uh, they have a lot of written, interesting content, uh, pregame, postgame, talking about the game and kind of dissecting what's going on with this basketball team. And the stories have not been as uh, thrilling. You know, they don't get to report on fun stuff anymore because the basketball team decided to lose to Vanderbilt. But uh, if you're into the writing stuff, we do do a little bit of that here at Natty State Sports. So it's been good to see that. But uh, I, I decided to hop in on the action and uh, wrote about Tuesday's game. A little quick hit story if you want to check that out. But also I did. I just went through a little progress report with the Arkansas baseball lineup and just kind of state of the union addressing where we're at at each spot. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of there's a lot of things up in the air. I mean, after Sunday's game against Michigan, DVH said he thought that, that we thought we had a starting lineup. We thought we knew who our guys were and we, we really don't. He said 50 percent. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, he said about 50 percent of the jobs are up for grabs. Again, I don't know if I quite believe that, but we'll, we'll, we'll just go through it right here, man. We're going to we gotta start with catcher because one, because that's you know, if we're doing the literal baseball numbers, catcher is one. Um, but also, I think that this lineup, if you figure out the catcher situation, and I say figure out, it's not like a bad situation. It's not a problem Arkansas has, but who starts at catcher kind of dictates the rest of this lineup. And so, uh, you know, Hudson White has been the guy who has started most of the weekend games. Uh, he did not start there on Tuesday as Hudson Polk got his first start of the year and hit a grand slam, which is fun to see. Uh, the most overqualified fourth-string catcher in the entire country, for my money. I can't imagine there's a better fourth-string catcher than Hudson Polk. But Hudson White, the Texas Tech transfer, has been the primary guy catching the most most of the games this year. And, uh, you know, expected to be one of Arkansas's better hitters. Been hitting in the two-hole, even led off on opening weekend. So it tells you a lot about how they view him as a hitter. And I've always said he's going to be in the lineup no matter what. Like, that's not a question. It's not a matter of, like, does he play? I think he's going to play. He's going to, I mean, just because that bat is so valuable for Arkansas. So if he's not catching, he's going to be DHing. There was even talk of him playing first base this offseason. I wouldn't be stunned if something like that happens, although Benny Mack has been killing it over there. We'll get to him later. Um, but, yeah, through 27 at-bats, Hudson White's hitting 222. Obviously, that's a number that they expect to go up. Uh, he's still he's, he's got a bunch of doubles and has a home run, so his slug, he's still slugging 481. Uh, the number with him, though, is interesting is he's – on base is 364, so he's still drawing a ton of walks. I believe he has the same number of walks as he does strikeouts, which that's exactly what he did at Texas Tech last year. I think he's due for a little bit of a uh, an explosion at the plate soon. And you know, we're so early in these sample sizes, you can't don't look at these numbers and be like, "Oh my goodness, Ryder Helfrich's hitting 154. He sucks." No, because then he's you know he's two for 13 right now. If he has two hits, all of a sudden he's four for 15 and he's up near 300, and you're like, "Oh." There, there you go. And so it's like I, I wouldn't overreact to a ton of these these numbers, but Hudson White at 222, that's a number that's definitely going to go up, whether he's catching, whether he's playing first, whether it's DHing. I think he's going to be in the lineup, and I just said Ryder Helfer was hitting 154. He got to start behind the plate on Saturday in Arlington, but also got to start at DH on Friday, which, again, tells you kind of just how they feel about both of these guys and their bats. But I think it kind of – that's the, big, the first big domino for this Arkansas lineup is – if you're catching Hudson White, then you can decide, hey, do we want to DH Ryder Helfrich? Do we want to DH Jack Wagner? Do we want to DH Ross Lovich? Reese Robinette, who let me touch on Reese Robinette later. Um, you know, any you can kind of make your case, but I feel like Hudson White, if he's not catching, is for sure going to start at DH. 
or first or wherever it is, mostly DH. I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, and so I think it, you know, you got to figure out this catcher spot because it's going to directly impact the DH spot. And whoever's not starting a catcher might just end up being the guy there. So um, I, I'm expecting, I would imagine Hudson White gets the nod to start this weekend and they'll just kind of, they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and they are going to give him a chance to uh, to win that spot. And I think that was a big part of why he came to Arkansas. He didn't catch every day at Tech last year. Again, he hit every day because he rakes. He hit 296 with 11 home runs last year, uh, super well-rounded at the plate. But he only caught about 30 games of their season, uh, which is about half. Uh, he would catch about maybe one or two on the weekend, DH the others. And I think he really wanted that opportunity to prove that he could play catcher every day. And so, hey, they're they're giving it to him. You know, he hasn't been bad or anything, but I think that I just remember in the ninth inning when Jake Faraday came into the game on Friday night and there was a wild pitch that uh, allowed a runner to advance to third. I just really, that was the first time I thought about it where I was like, hey, it's a one run game in the ninth inning. Does Arkansas feel good about Hudson White at catcher? I don't know. I didn't ask DBH. I, they, I'm sure they feel great about him or they wouldn't have him out there. But it was the first time that I really started to think about it where I was like, huh. This might not, you know, and I I think I've said on this program that I wouldn't be surprised if Ryder Helfrick ends up being the everyday catcher. I think he's the most well-rounded of the of the options. I think he's probably the better defender between him and Hudson White. And I also think he just has the biggest upside, maybe of any prospect on this team, period, pitcher or position player. Um, and so I think I wouldn't be stunned if Ryder Helfrick is playing every day, whether that's DH, catcher. But I, th- I think you can make a real argument that both of these guys are kind of guaranteed starters. I think Helfrick maybe a little less so, but you know I think both these guys are going to play a lot, and so hey, these next few weeks are going to be big and kind of clearing up that issue. Is Hudson White our catcher? Is he not? Is Ryder Helfrick going? Is the future now? Like I think it, figuring that out again, it's not a a problem because I think both of these guys are great, and I even think Parker Rowland and Hudson Polk are more than capable back there as their third or fourth options. So Arkansas's got plenty. It's a good problem to have at catcher, but I think figuring it out is a is is going to be huge for Arkansas. And then. Moving on to first base, Ben McLaughlin. There's not really any controversy here. Uh, I even declared the position battle status solved here in this story. Uh, ben McLaughlin's been hitting 310, leading the team in RBI. Uh, been great defensively. And I do mean great defensively. So this is a guy who won a gold glove as a third baseman in JUCO. Guys, I don't know who gave him that gold glove because I've seen him play third base. I've, I've never been impressed with him as a defender at third base. And he had to, he had to play in the postseason last year at third base and nearly screwed Arkansas against Santa Clara there was a reason he was DH in is because they didn't feel great about him as a defender out there and so when he when he got the nod over Jack Wagner to start at first base one you know both those guys were starting opening day Wagner was DH in at the time I remember thinking that was interesting because I was like I didn't think Ben McLaughlin was like a great defender but again I I tweeted it out and I think it's it's uh it's relevant however good you think Ben McLaughlin is I promise you he's better like whatever you think he is if you think he's the 150th best player in the country, he's better than that. If you think he's 100, he's, he's better. Trust me. Whatever in your brain, however good you think he is, he is better. And I learned my lesson as a defender. He's way better as a defender than I gave him credit for. He's been awesome picking the ball out of the dirt, making great plays. And uh, he just seems like it seems like he's found a home there. He's been crushing him. He's been staying in the middle of the lineup. He's been as consistent. Him and Kendall Diggs have been really, and Jared Sprague, oddly enough, have been like the only pieces in this lineup that you can really count on for, for anything, honestly. Uh, they've been consistent, so there's no real controversy there. Maybe you see Jack Wagner get a spot start there. Maybe you see Hudson White get a spot start there, but I think really it's those guys are going to be at DH. And and if Ben McLaughlin's not playing first, he's kind of the same thing where he's going to be in the lineup, whether it's first base, third base, DH, whatever. He's going to be playing. 
Uh, so no no real controversy to be had there. Second base is interesting here. The, the, the elephant in the room is obviously Peyton Stovall is not playing right now. We did get an update on him from DVH who says the initial timeline was four to six weeks, and he was asked, is it going to be closer to the four or closer to the six? And he said, ah, probably right in between. I think it might be five. He said, I think it's, I think, uh, you know, he's probably about two, three weeks away from making his season debut. He's able to run. He's able to throw. Uh, that He hasn't been cleared yet for live ABs, but as soon as he is, they're going to start getting Arkansas pitchers to throw to him, get him some ABs, get him ready. But they're like basically doing everything they can to keep him engaged. Uh, DVH says they even, when, when pitchers throw bullpens, they put a screen in front of him because if you remember, he broke his foot by a pitcher throwing a ball at his foot. They put a screen in front of him, but they have him kind of stand in there so he can get those mental reps of seeing pitching, seeing the ball come in and stuff like that. So it doesn't sound like Peyton Stovall is like far away from, from making his season debut. I think before we know it, conference play will be here and he might be in the lineup. And, uh, he had a DVH joke that Stovall told him when I come in, when I get back in the lineup, I'm not leaving. He's he's fired up, ready to get back, which you love to see. And uh, man, I can't wait to watch Peyton Stovall play baseball. I don't even care where it's at. I'm just I'm looking forward to watching him play. I can't wait to see, you know, what junior year looks like for him. And uh, that'll be exciting. For the time being, Peyton Holt has been playing there, and you know, hitting 333, which he boosted up a good bit by having three hits against Grambling. Uh, been getting on base a good bit. Leads the team in runs, I believe, with eight. Uh, he's just being Peyton Holt, you know, just making stuff happen. Made an error in Sunday's game, which was a, a tough error because it was in the bottom of the ninth inning or the top of the ninth inning. Yeah. No, it was bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, and it was a little, little bit of a tough one. That was his first one. He's been playing really good defense at second base. Um, pretty solid at the plate. I mentioned he was at the nine hole. I think that's kind of a perfect spot for him. Going into the year, we all assumed Peyton Holt would start at third base and Stovall would be the second baseman. Now you have Stovall out. Holt moves over. Spraglot goes to third and Spraglot. Like DVH said, they expect him to be a below-average hitter and a good defender. He's been, you know, made made five errors in the field, but he's been their best hitter, man. He's got four doubles, hitting four fifty eight, gets on base like crazy, uh, show, hit the first home run of the year, showed off some pop. I mean, and this is also a dude who's pretty accomplished. I mean, he hit three thirteen last year at Richmond with, I believe, 13 home runs. Like, he's accomplished. He's a guy that could absolutely, like, they will not have any problems starting him every day, and I think he's shown that. I mean, you you know, there's there's tons of people who are, who have been telling me like you can't take that guy out of the lineup. Hey, I, I, I it's hard to disagree, but I also think that's that's what's going to make this very interesting these next two weeks of what happens when Peyton Stovall comes back. Obviously, if he were playing this weekend, it would be a much more interesting conversation because I don't know how you would take off Jared take Jared Spraglot out of the lineup with the way he's swinging it, and uh, maybe you just move them all around and find a way to make it work. But I think these next two, maybe three weeks are going to be very interesting in determining what Arkansas does there. If Spraglock keeps hitting the way and playing the way he has, it's going to be interesting. Peyton Holt, a guy that last year was undeniable. They couldn't take him out of the lineup last year. He's off to a pretty solid start this year. Does he kind of build on that? Does he keep it going? Does it does who who ends up emerging from there? It might end up, it very well could end up being both of those guys. Who knows? But I think that's kind of the one of the more intriguing stories to talk about on the team that none of us really want to talk about. Because it's kind of a weird situation where, like, I listen, you know, Spraglot, Holt, Stovall, you know, in a nutshell, all three of those guys, SEC starters, no doubt, just sharp him in the lineup. But given with this Arkansas team, like, kind of the way this situation is going to work out, it's not a guarantee that all three of those guys can be in the lineup. So I've got my eye on that. Both guys are playing well right now. So I'm not saying this again, it's, it's a good problem to have, similar to the catcher situation. 
And so we'll just see how it plays out. Shortstop, despite Vahiva Loy's extremely slow start at the plate, this there, there's not a controversy at shortstop. He's going to be the dude. We don't have to worry about that. He's hitting 182 on the year so far. Uh, you know, the power is not, he has not hit a home run yet, which is kind of stunning to me. Uh, I mean, this dude literally leading up to the season couldn't stop hitting home runs. He literally homered in every scrimmage. Um, so we'll see. I, I feel like it's only a matter of time. You know, if this weekend, if he continues to struggle, then maybe we can start having the conversation. And I mean, you know, I mentioned, I, I've compared him a little bit to Caleb Cowley in the way of just he was the guy. Caleb Cowley was the guy last offseason where every scrimmage just seemed like he was homering. Every player you talked to, they'd be like, hey, man, he's the best hitter we've ever seen, man. He's awesome. And then he just starts the year 0 for whatever and ends up kind of being in and out of the lineup. And, you know, it, it took him a while to finally get back in and stay in. It really was about halfway through conference play before he finally was back in the lineup for sure, no doubt. Um, I don't think I think they they realize in hindsight like oh that probably wasn't what we wanted to do. Uh, also at shortstop, it's just a lot tougher to play the musical chairs. I mean, Spraglot's a guy who could play shortstop, so that maybe that's your, your that's your controversy there. If Vahiva continues to struggle, Nolan Souza's had some decent moments. I don't think they're going to bench Vahiva Aloy for his Hawaiian brethren. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. I think it's a lot more likely that Vahiva Aloy goes like 7 for 15 this weekend with three home runs than it is that he gets benched, like honestly. Um, but hey, it's it's something that I'm not worried about. I don't think you should be either. But I'd be lying if I said that I w- if, if, he, if he stinks this weekend, I'm going to be a little concerned where I'm like, man, we're going to have to start asking questions and having conversations we don't want to have. Again, I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, I mentioned left field, how it's pretty much just wide open and you know, I really don't think this that situation is going to have a conclusion anytime soon. I think you'll probably, if I had to guess, I bet Jason Jones gets the first start on Friday. But I think I think you might see a different guy every day. I wouldn't like the three guys I mentioned earlier. You might just let them all three start this weekend. Who knows? Um, I think that's going to be maybe the biggest story to watch these next two weeks is who emerges at left field. What do we have there? Uh, those two home runs Jason hit, Jason Jones hit on Tuesday. Do they? Do they get him going because I feel like he's the guy with the most upside. And so he's kind of the the trump card here. If Jason Jones lives up to his potential, and that's a level that I just don't think Ross Lovich and Will Edmondson can match, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but potential is a word that we like to throw around and tools and all these things, but you got to produce. And so it's kind of it's kind of up to them. We'll see how it works out. Uh I, I think it's gonna be fascinating and we'll we'll see we'll see kind of what the the divvy up of playing time ends up being. Uh, moving on to center field, there's no controversy there. Ty, Ty Williams-Myers is center fielder. Will Edmondson could play there if he needed, and he started there on Tuesday. With the way Ty Williams-Myers defends, I just don't see how you justify not having him in the lineup. He's clearly the best defender in the outfield they have by a pretty wide margin. Edmondson's a really good athlete, but I don't think he has the same arm uh, that Ty Williams-Myers has to kind of make those throws from deep in the gap or wherever. Ty's got a ton of experience, like over 120 games of SEC starting experience. He's hitting 269 this year, which is is down a little bit because he had a crazy opening weekend. This is not an offensive, a th- uh, huge offensive threat. I'll just be honest with you. And if you're expecting Ty Wilmsmeyer to be a huge offensive threat, you will be disappointed and you'll be like, man, this guy sucks. What the heck? Um, he doesn't suck, but it's just one of those positions. You look around the infield, you've got a Big time hitter at short, big time hitter at catcher, big time hitter at second, third, you know, first, wherever, right field, DH, potentially left field if one of these guys can emerge. Center field is a spot that Arkansas is is okay to lose some offense. 
And I say that the dude hit over 300 at Missouri last year, which is, believe it or not, Missouri is an SEC school. And uh, so he did it against SEC pitching. He's clearly got, you know, the capability to hit against good pitching. I just mean from a big picture, like he's not going to put fear in any opposing pitchers' minds. Uh, I think he has like 10 or 11 career home runs in four years, like not the most powerful bat at the line in the lineup. So, but that's okay. I'm saying is I say all that to say that's fine. He's such a good athlete. He, he anytime he gets on base, he's a stolen base threat. Uh, in center field, he's a great defender, and he's opportunistic at the plate. He, we've seen him come through and draw some walks when he needs, slaps a single through the left side when he needs. Like I think he's going to do enough more often than not. Uh, if not, you just give Will Edmonton a go and see what it is. But I don't think they, I think it's there's no real controversy there for now, nor should there be. And in right field, there's certainly not a controversy because Kendall Diggs is the right fielder, hitting 400, uh, has not hit a home run yet, but has been about as consistent and about as good as you can ask a hitter to be, especially without a home run. So feel really good about what he's bringing to the table. Again, no controversy. DH, I talked about earlier. Just pick your just pick your your guy, whoever you want it to be. If you if you're a Jack Wagner guy, that can be your DH. Hudson White, Ryder Helfrick, Lovich. I mentioned Big Country, which I guess this is now the time I got to let you know. Uh, DVH was asked about Big Country, Reese Robinette, and he said that uh, they're not they haven't really made a decision on what they want to do, but they don't want to play him just to play him. They don't want to throw him a little midweek start here and there. They don't want to just kind of maybe give him a spot start just to keep like if they're gonna play if he if they're going to not play him every day, they want to redshirt him. Now they didn't rule out. I think Reese Robinette's a dude who I'm not saying he should play every day, but I think he could play every day. I mean, he's at this DH spot, especially against right-handed pitching. I think he's as good an option as as you got on this team. I'm surprised we haven't seen him have some more pinch hit roles. I mean, I I, I just think like there's been multiple situations where I'm like, man, it'd be really nice to have a big, powerful left-handed bat. I I think ultimately he's going to end up playing, and I think he's just going to make that decision of like, hey, I don't care about redshirting. It is what it is, but I don't want to speak for the kid or his family. Like they've got to do whatever they want to do and. You know, I think that I appreciate that DVH is like being respectful of that. He doesn't want to just play him. I mean, Jake Faraday is a guy we've talked about a good bit. Has pitched less than an inning in both of his first two seasons. Doesn't redshirt in either, so he's draft eligible this year as a true junior. If he were a redshirt sophomore, you know, it'd be a little bit, a little bit more interesting for him at draft time. But I think that, uh, you know, I think Jake Faraday is going to get drafted and be fine. I think Big Country is going to be fine regardless of what happens. I love that kid, and so I'm, I'm, I'm. Interested to see how that plays out. But for anyone asking, and I was asking for sure, like, what's going on with Big Country? Why is he not playing? That's why. They they think there's a chance that he might redshirt, which if he does and he comes back next year, I'd, I'd love to see it. Uh, but I also, I, you know, I think he's I think he's good. I think he deserves to play. I think he can help this team a lot this year. So I would I would love to see him just do that. And I think, you know, we'll see how it works out. But don't be surprised if his, his name pops up at DH. But, you know, Again, it's just going to come down to who's not catching, who's not playing first, who's not whatever, and you have your options there, and it'll probably fluctuate a good bit. But that's kind of uh, the state of the union there for the lineup and for where things stand. And, you know, I'd love to give you a deep dive on the pitching staff, but frankly, there's no controversies going on there. We know exactly who's going to start Friday night. That's Hagan Smith. We know exactly who's starting on Saturday. That's Brady Tigert. And we know that Mason Molina's getting the ball on Sunday, and we know all three of those guys, you feel good about them. And so, uh, you know, I mentioned some of the sophomores that pitched on Tuesday against Grambling, you know, Gage Wood, Christian Fouch, Parker Coyle, Cooper Dossett, like even Colin Fisher, who is, I guess he's going to be their midweek starter and he's going to pitch a lot. But we saw last week that he can help this team in the weekends too. And so I think that 
You, there's so many options in the bullpen. I mean, there's legit 12 or 13 guys you can make a case for deserving work. And so, you know, I don't know how to forecast. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who they're going to go to if there's a save situation. There's a lot of questions, and I can't wait to see them get solved, man. But I don't have a, I don't have any definitive proclamations of what's going to happen here because it's a little bit of a, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. But I like the pieces in the bullpen. I think that's just another fun thing for us to monitor throughout this year is just kind of who who emerges in that bullpen. We feel really good about the starters. We feel really good about the group overall. But I think we're getting to that time of year now where it's time to start kind of locking down some roles and making it clear of, hey, if we're up 6-4 in the seventh, we're going to go to this guy. If we're up by five, we're going to this guy. If we're doing, you know, whatever. If it's a safe situation, it's this guy. And kind of seeing what each guy can do. And we're also in that time of year where DVH likes to do stuff where he will he will put guys in situations just to see what happens, just to see if they can handle it. I know, I know he does that, especially with guys who, like, pitch on Friday and he's like hey let's bring him back for an inning on Sunday and just kind of just kind of see what we got see how their stuff plays in this setting and and so look if there's a situation where DVH makes the wrong call and Arkansas blows a game this weekend and drops one of them at Murray State and you're like wanting to freak out it is what it is and uh the, the term DVH I'm gonna I'm just gonna use it on every pod now he says it might cost us a game here but it'll help us win one down the line <laughs> I love that so much and so uh he, he automatic cop out also if Arkansas blows a game but speaking of the likelihood of Arkansas dropping a game. Gotta be honest, guys, this this smells like a <laughs> this smells like a series that Arkansas wins two to one. But I would not be stunned at all if the Murray State Racers came into Bomb Walker and stole a game, man. Uh, Arkansas does a really good job of scheduling their non-conference games for the most part. I think 2022 is a year where it just didn't work out for them, where they had their teams that they played early just kind of shit the bed and did not end up being I mean it was, it was that way in basketball that one year too where like Arkansas's RPI was super their metrics were horrible because the teams they played in non-conference just didn't pan out but uh, there's years where I feel like Arkansas goes out of their way to try and get good notable matchups which they had some in Arlington I think though that Oregon State win is going to age tremendously uh, the Oklahoma State loss in a neutral site by one run I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I don't think Oklahoma State's great, so I don't think it's going to be like a quality loss, but I don't think it's going to matter too much. Michigan sucks, so that, that that's pretty much – they might as well play Grambling again. Those dudes are horrible. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Grambling is not as bad as – if you watch that game on Tuesday and you think Arkansas, this is like a Pine Bluff situation, it's really not. Grambling's not a horrible baseball program. Uh, they, they swing the bat pretty well. Uh, they'll probably give LSU some business in some midweek games this year. Um, I mean, they've they've hit on Arkansas before. They can't. I mean, they scored seven runs last year. Hit against Will McIntyre. Like, it's a legit thing. So we'll see how that ages. But James Madison, by the way, has not lost since leaving Fayetteville. Ever since that President's Day bout, James Madison is his one out. So they're now six and three. They're rolling. They just swept Fairfield, who, if you remember correctly, was that team a couple years ago that went like forty-eight and two or something stupid like that. I'm guessing they don't have as good of a team this year, but James Madison swept them boys. They weren't worried about nothing, man. They swept them. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Murray State also is like, you know, I don't know how they stack up to James Madison. I would lean towards Murray State just looking at the pieces and seeing what I see here. They're 6-2 and two coming in here. They've had a lot of confidence. Um, I mean, guys, this is, this, is, this is a veteran team. This is like the perfect test. This is not an SEC squad. This is not a high-level, like, top-10 series. But this is like the perfect team for you to face in week three as you're starting to kind of get your groove a little bit. So Murray State, just to recap, they started their season against Purdue-Fort Wayne, 
who actually just beat a ranked Indiana team on a Tuesday night, which is kind of how college baseball works. But they sweep those guys opening weekend. They drop a Wednesday game to uh, Trevor Ezel and the boys in SEMO. Uh, they lost that one on the road. But then they go to Louis- U- ULM, play in Monroe, and they take two of three from ULM. They beat North Alabama in a midweek game, and now here they are in Fayetteville. They're 6-2. and two. They're feeling pretty good. This is kind of their chance to show that they're, they're legit. Uh, the last few years, Murray State's been like, I don't know their exact record, but they'll be like 31-24, and 24, like – the, they've been they've had a very almost identical record the last three years of like five or six games above 500 is basically where they figured it out and uh, they brought back a lot of pieces from last year's team that was you know not a tournament team but a winning team that was you know top half of their conference now they're bringing back a ton of those guys some of their main pieces Murray State's gonna have a, a good chance to compete in the Missouri Valley and so I'm not saying they're gonna win their conference but I think this is a series that is going to be closer than Hawk fans want it to be, and they're going to be probably frustrated at times. And then I think in two months, you're going to look back and be like, oh, that Murray State team, they're 22-7. and seven. Hmm, interesting. You know, I really do think this is one of those those guys. I was just going through the lineup. So leadoff, their shortstop, last year was a second-team all-conference guy, hit 300 with seven home runs. Two-hole, you got their center fielder, first-team all-conference, hit 330 with 11 home runs last year. He's back. Their right fielder, their three holes, a Juco kid who I'd never heard of. Couldn't find any information about this kid on the internet. But he's hitting 419 to start the year. Uh, they, have, they have four more returning starters. A uh, guy that hit 276 last year. Guy, and, I mean, ton of power with a lot of these dudes. So, like, their six hole, Taylor Howell, their first baseman, only hit 253 last year. But he had 12 home runs. Same for their third baseman, Carson Garner. Hit 245 last year. Ten home runs. Uh, their nine-hole second baseman Logan Bland hit 277 last year with nine home runs. So like, it's a ton of experience you're bringing back, ton of continuity, and a good bit of pop. And they've kind of, I don't want to say they live and die by the home run, but they they hit a lot of home runs, man. Like they're they're not afraid to leave the yard. Um, you know, if if anyone remembers, in 2021, Arkansas played Murray State and they swept them, but it was not a comfortable sweep. Like they had to really kind of grind to win some of those games and come from behind. I remember Robert Moore had a two home run game and Arkansas ended up winning like seven to five. So it's like, that was the kind of series it was that Arkansas swept, but it was certainly not a, a walk in the park. I think this Murray state team is better than that Murray state team that Arkansas played in 2021. Arkansas got, this is, this is a, this is a sneaky, sneaky, tough series that Arkansas has on their hands. And uh, on Friday night, they're going to face a young man by, by the name of Jacob Pennington, who's a two way guy for them. Who's probably going to DH in uh, the other two games that he doesn't pitch. Had a five ERA last year, but was a weekend starter for them. He's got a ton of experience, like 150 innings worth of experience in his career, maybe more than that. Uh, but it seems like a dude that they really, really like, and that's kind of their guy. He's off to a great start this year. His strikeout rate is way up. None of the pitchers I've seen from Murray State, I haven't been able to watch a ton of video because ESPN Plus and their broadcaster are tough. They don't have a radar gun or anything. I, 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 got, a, I got a chance to just watch an inning or two from their weekend starters. None of them seem to have like big time stuff like 95, 96 or anything like that. I'm sure they have some dudes in the bullpen with some arms, but Murray State's been pitching the ball really well this year. Uh, their ERA is under four. They had a random game. They, it's weird because opening weekend, they held Fort Wayne to five runs in three games. Fort Wayne might suck, although they did beat Indiana last night. Then they have a midweek game where they give up eight runs to SEMO, and then Pennington throws a shutout against ULM. Uh, and then they win the Sunday game 11-5, to but in the middle they had a 12-10 to loss. 
Uh, and then they get back on track against North Alabama with run, one run. But it seems like they just have two games that where things kind of hit the fan and blew up on them. But outside of that, they've been kind of dominant pitching staff-wise. Uh, they've had a lot of different dudes throw for them. We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, act like I have a definitive uh, feel on what Murray State's bullpen is going to look like or who they're going to go to. But I think they're, they've got a lot of experience in the starting rotation. Uh, this is... This is a, this is a, this is a tough series, man. Like I gotta be honest. Like I, I think it's gonna be one of those things where people are are mad, but I just I don't think they should be. I think this is gonna be a a fun competitive series that Arkansas should absolutely take care of business. If Arkansas sweeps these dudes, I'm not gonna be surprised. But I remember last year when Wright State came in, I had a very similar feel, and then Arkansas just made quick work of those dudes. So maybe that happens here. Uh, but we've seen Arkansas kind of struggle in some of these early season matchups. This has all the makings of that. But I also wouldn't have told you that Grambling was going to give up 21 runs and, and look as bad as they did against Arkansas on Tuesday. So we'll see. Um, obviously, Arkansas will be the biggest test for Murray State so far this year. So, you know, I won't be surprised if there's a little bit of a fall off there. But uh, also, I, I shorted Jacob Pennington. He's got 220 innings worth of experience under his belt. Uh, last year, he only struck out 68 guys in, in 84 and two-thirds innings. But his, his only start this year, which was last week against ULM, seven innings, struck out nine guys. Looks like he's, you know, their guy, two-way guy. They love him. I think it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be an interesting series for Arkansas. You know, let's just see what this team's got, man. This is a, this, this is part of the journey, part of the battle. Um, and so we'll see if we get some clarity on some of these position battles. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to go out there and see what, so see what we got going on. Before we get out of here, though, guys, I do want to remind you guys to go over to Alumni Hall. Place is awesome. Uh, maybe this is the week we see the pinstripes. I've been speculating and just hoping that I see pinstripes. I feel like if you're not going to do them this weekend, then when are you going to do them? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll save them for a midweek thing. But if you want to get a check and, and look at those pinstripes, uh, you can go to this website here, nattystatesports.com slash alumni hall if you're not in the area. If you are in the northwest Arkansas area, you can go over to Alumni Hall, 3417 North College Avenue, right by the Whole Foods. You might see Curtis there. Um, but if not, like I said, support us, support them. You're going to love their selection, the ultimate Razorback shopping experience. They've got all the hats, all the jerseys, all the kids' clothes, all the dog clothes, all the big, small, medium, tall uh, go shop online, natty, nattystatesports.com slash alumni hall. If you want to check out what they got and see what you got, uh, you will not be disappointed. So go check those guys out. Appreciate them for everything that they do. And, uh, hey, like I said, this is part of the journey with this Arkansas team. We're going to see how they they go this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out of bomb. Looks like the weather is going to be – it's it's miserably cold these last couple of days, but it looks like the weather's trending in a positive direction. There's going to be some sunlight uh, I'm looking forward to especially that Saturday and Sunday game. So, uh, hey, this is just another part of the story for this team. Hopefully it goes a little bit better, at least at the plate, than it did last week. We'll see. Did they Do they build on what they had Tuesday? I'd love to see Arkansas come out here and just rake against these dudes. Um, like I said, this is, this is a pitching staff that's done well, but it's you're not going to see crazy stuff. I think if Arkansas is locked in and they have the right approach, I think they, they are going to score a good bit of runs on this team. And, uh, you know, talented Murray State lineup with a ton of experience. Dudes top to bottom. I mean, their nine hole has nine home runs or had nine home runs last year. I think it's this is a fun little pre-conference test that it's hard to find stuff like this, man. It's really hard to find mid-majors that are going to give you an actual test, an actual competition. And it's really tough to get good competition to come see you. People always say that, like, oh, why don't you just schedule better teams? Why don't you just get 
the Yankees to come play on opening weekend or whatever it is, but it's it's hard. But uh, DVH and staff, they do a really good job of finding these teams like that to give them the right test they need. And so I'm not saying that you're gonna you're gonna see like the greatest series of all time between two juggernauts, but I think this is a perfect team for Arkansas to host at Bob Walker Stadium this weekend, and uh, it's gonna be fun. So if you can't make it out to the ball game. We will have some written content on NattyStateSports.com throughout the weekend, so check that out. You know, Also going to be videos coming out here and there. We'll, we'll hear from DVH. We'll hear from players. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday. Eh, Monday, Tuesday, who knows? We will be back at next next week to recap all the action. Uh, heard some murmurs that we might have some uh, some guests lined up. We, uh, we got some things we're working on. But stay, you know, like I said, Stay in line with what we got going on. Subscribe to the page if you have not already done that. The Bombastic Podcast on YouTube. Uh, subscribe on whatever pl- podcast platform you're you're listening on if you have not already done that. And uh, be sure to go check us out at NattyStateSports.com or our Natty State Sports YouTube page. We're also all over social media. But uh, for Andrew Ellis, I have enjoyed this program. Hope you have too. And we will catch you next week on the Bombastic Podcast.